0: Welcome to the sixth and final episode in the STEM in the Gorbals series on mental health and wellbeing, supported by Pulse Grant from the British Podcast Awards and Welcome Trust. In this episode, we look at the role of language and music in helping to maintain good mental health and wellbeing, taking a particular focus on people with dementia. Welcome to the STEM in the Gorbals podcast. I'm Maggie. And I'm Jessica. As part of our series on mental health and wellbeing, today we're with Lois Who, Claire McBride and Andy Lowndes, who are all involved with engaging communities with music and dance. Can you all tell us a bit more about your work?
1: So my name is Lewis, I run the Science Caley in Edinburgh and so our work is all about supporting a Scotland which is creative, curious, equitable and well. So that means we like to be interdisciplinary, we like to mix sciences and arts and creativity and, and health and well-being, And that can vary from working with schools all across the country to working with people with dementia or new Scots, looking at integration, uh, all the way to people with additional support needs.
2: Hi there, I'm Andy Lowndes, I'm the deputy chair and music detective with the charity Playlists for Life which was founded around seven years ago by Sally Magnusson from the BBC. Um, And it was following the experience of her mother's journey with dementia where they found that not many of the medications, the drugs that the doctors were offering seemed to be much help to Mamie, Sally's mum. But what seemed to help was the very soundtrack to her life in music the music that had been uh, meaningful to her throughout her life and had stories and autobiographical memories and people and places and holidays attached to it. And that whenever Mamie would be distressed during her journey, that if the family began to sing to her these songs, Mamie seemed to be grounded again and was able to connect, to some extent, to herself and to her surroundings and the people around her again.
3: And I am Claire McBrian. I work for Giving It Lally. It is a small community music organization based in the Gorbals in Glasgow. And what we do is we bring people together through music um, so that they can have a laugh, forget about the hard times and uh, feel better physically and mentally as well. And we do that lots of different ways. We have a uh, school choir for children, we have a singing group for adults um, in the afternoon, we work with people who've got additional support needs and we get really excited about the work that we do both in local dementia units and sheltered housing accommodation which is with older people and people living with dementia where we just sing and reminisce and come alive in music together. It sounds as
0: though a common interest between your organisations is that you aim to engage a wide variety of people and communities through music and dance. How do you engage and build trust with the communities you work with?
1: Yeah, um, so I think probably lots of common threads. Um, certainly we set up Science Kaley as a social enterprise mostly to target. Well, when I started it, it was about how do you work with people who don't typically, you know, classically engage, they're easy to ignore. And like Claire said, I think actually for us, the language was traditional music, traditional dance, Kaylee culture, which is not always just about dancing, but just about bringing people together. And so really it's, it's not rocket science, it's just spending time with people genuinely valuing their expertise, everyone is an expert in something, um, and genuinely spending the time to do that and not necessarily feeling like you have to come in with another agenda. Mm. You know, if people want to engage with us because they're interested in science, that's great. If people want to have questions about their health and wellbeing, that's great. If they just want to share some amazing cooking or music or a song or a Zebka dance or whatever it would be that, you know, we could do that and over time with trust, that's really when the magic happens and you start having these kind of really meaningful conversations, it can take years. Certainly in our experience, we found that it can be really long relationship building um, before people can really open up and feel like they can ask of you something that you can actually feel that you add value to beyond just being, you know, kind of another person to connect with.
2: I agree with you to, to a great extent. I think though that there's also just the spontaneity of responding to something which is familiar and beautiful, and does does have those connections to your to your life and your experiences with others as well. And mm-hmm. so we've seen people living with dementia, even towards the end of their lives, who are seemingly out of it, and suddenly responding to a piece of familiar music, and that families, in particular, um, when they saw these positive responses from the person living with dementia or their loved one that, that they, this amazed them that they didn't think this was possible anymore and so
3: yeah i think for me the it's the longevity thing we find that trust is earned it's not mm-hmm. necessarily yeah. given very easily because people have hard lives and things happen and that kind of eats away at people's ability to trust others and for us it's so important that we're like there's something about like stability and steadiness so, you know, you need to do what you said you're going to do, first of all, not make any false promises and be consistent, which is really hard work. So we've had choir members say "And um, the Sing for Life group in the afternoon, like, this is my lifeline. I get well for this. Um, I'm ill all week. This is the only thing that I get well for. And I plan my whole routine around being able to come here. So if that's not on for whatever reason one week, maybe the, the someone's ill or something, it's very, very hard and hurtful for people. And also, I think picking up on what you said, what we offer, dance and music, there's an automatic, trustful thing in that as well, because people do know it, it's very core to who we are as human beings. So that moment where they're able to connect to a piece of music and you've allowed that to happen, Helps build trust as well, and, and if it's like and enjoying it and having yeah, it and having exactly. again yeah. fun, it's very important that people are having fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: we've read that another common theme between your organisations is that you strive to engage individuals living with dementia. Could one of you please tell us a bit more about dementia?
2: I suppose dementia we should say um, right at the outset isn't a single condition on its own, it's it's a collection of symptoms, uh, a syndrome if you like, that is usually characterised by things like loss of memory, loss of ability to plan and and, uh, carry out simple tasks. Um, and and changes in personality and communications and so on. And these this syndrome comes from what nearly two hundred different neurodegenerative disorders. So where we see changes in an individual's brain, and the most common one of those diseases is Alzheimer's disease. So roughly around around seventy percent of all dementias are are Alzheimer's disease, um, which can lead on then to Alzheimer's dementia. But yeah, roughly. You know, 200, and I'm sure if we were um, wanting to, we could probably find many, many more different forms of dementia that have mixed, different types as well. Mm-hmm. So, those diseases are usually the biggest risk factor for those is age. So, the older we get, the more at risk we are. Um, so, more people over. 65, 70, 80 years of age are likely to develop dementia more than the younger people, but there is most definitely younger people developing dementias, such as temporal lobe dementias and so on. And the youngest person I nursed was 38 years of age uh, who developed dementia, and those dementias progress usually very quickly. So the important thing is, healthy heart equals healthy brain. That's one of the important things. If you... If you look after your heart and you look after your diet, you don't drink too much or you don't smoke and um, you have. And there's lots of other tips like learn another language and keep your brain active, and you're more likely to be able to stave off some of those risks for developing dementia. But age is the biggest risk.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lewis, from our research on your work, we found it interesting to hear that people who are bilingual get an extra five years protection from dementia. Does this include Scots and Gaelic?
1: Um, so we, I mentioned this research it wasn't done by me so my background is more in brain anatomy uh, and brain scanning but it's from someone called Dr Thomas Back in the University of Edinburgh who, uh, and the Bilingualism Matters organisation that we collaborate with quite a lot and he's this really exciting research about the benefits of bilingualism one of the challenges in the UK is that if you're bilingual it tends to come with other things you either come from a high or low economic class and background mm-hmm. and so it's quite difficult to know if they have reduced risk. Is that because of those other factors or is it actually the language itself? So Thomas did a study in India to try and control for these factors and suggest that yes, if you're bilingual, you get this kind of five years reduced risk of dementia compared to someone who is monolingual. Uh, what's particularly exciting, I think, uh, from what he talks about, and I think it's really interesting, is from a historical and certainly from a world context, actually, you know, we always think about it as a benefit of being multilingual. It's a benefit of being bilingual. And actually, he makes the argument, which I think is very exciting, is that, well, actually, historically, everyone was kind of multilingual. Mm. That was actually the default. You know, yeah. you might not be completely fluent, but, you, you know, most towns would have a slightly different dialect. Um, obviously, in Scotland, we've always been a multilingual country. Uh, and so, and you know, still very much the case in India and China and these big countries. And so actually the default mood is probably actually more multilingualism and it's only because of recent history, um, we'll go too much into that as another <laughs> podcast for sure, where English has become the dominant you know, status quo and monolingualism has become the, the core. And I think when we do our workshops, we're always telling people, especially sadly in the UK, we do have this kind of like languages are hard and you know, it's really hard to learn languages and it's special that if people are bilingual and actually... I, I think it's actually a mindset we get ourselves in and then we tell ourselves. Whereas actually, you know, again, there is people who disagree, but certainly from my point of view, it's like, well, to be honest, things like languages, things like um, dance and music, you know, these things are intrinsically valuable. They're interestingly fun. They're not normally that necessarily always expensive. They don't have to be. So I think, you know, with all that in mind, it's, I think it's definitely worth doing. And it's also important to say that just plenty of people who are multilingual do also get dementia, so ultimately, you know, I think it's important that we don't, it's not, it's not, like, you're not doing well enough, and it's also important to balance that too.
0: Mm -hmm. How does your work impact people living with dementia?
2: Our mission is that everybody living with dementia gets access to music. In our case, it's it's pre-recorded music, or it's sung music sometimes, but everybody gets access to the soundtrack to their life in music, because when we... Give that to somebody when they need it or at times when we've discovered they might need it, we see amazing things happening. We see people becoming happier, more relaxed, more engaged, more physically active. And we see things like people having less falls and improved appetites and so on because they're less stressed by their experience of the dementia. Mm-hmm.
1: So for us in, in Science, Kaylee, I guess we, we started off as an organisation that looks at how do we communicate research. And so for us, we've kind of got two main aims when we're working with um, people with dementia or the carers, is to be hands-on, be participatory, and encourage and support carers and the cared for person themselves to understand more of the research. Um, we're hoping to do more work where that also feeds into the research itself. So then again, we're really making sure the lived experience of both carers and people with dementia actually is, is conveyed to the researchers and their concerns and the questions and, and so that that kind of closes the loop and then the, the second part is a bit more participatory in the sense of we also want to give people the tools to feel like they can do more creative and, and small interventions so obviously we're big fans of Plays for Life but then how else can people introduce like small bits of creativity in their life because again it's one of those things that also have barriers and a lot of people don't feel like they're creative they don't feel like artists is for them they don't feel like because they weren't musically trained that they can you know use music in any way but obviously even resounds with music and so for us um, we're really keen to develop toolkits and then training and support of well how does an unpaid carer or how does um, someone with lived experience of dementia actually embed a bit more creativity in their life and and obviously it's reducing risk potentially but importantly it's also thinking about that quality of
3: life so we are really small so i suppose we're working in a much smaller scale than than you guys um but what we see is very much what you're saying family members describe it as oh they come alive like i get to see them again <laughs> and they they come out of themselves and you see people who maybe aren't speaking or talking to anyone saying the full Ten mm. verses of some Irish song that they learned when they were a child, and everyone, or you see people getting up and dancing, and you, or you see people looking at their loved one like they know them. And we we are working in units where people are living, so we're we're going to a place where someone doesn't leave anymore, and they they're not able to go anywhere else, and so they're at that stage of sometimes they're even just in their beds all the time. So we'll go and sing at their bedside and allow them to have that. Moment of joy, as you described it, and I think it's it's not a linear line health for me anyway. I mean, you know they're they're they are well and enjoying life in that moment, and that's really really important and should be invested in. But I think the thing that struck me most was in the two dimensional units that we go into. The staff told us that the singing was the only thing that everyone came out of their room for. Mm. So they've tried lots of other types of intervention, but when Michelle goes in, and um, Michelle's just a fantastic an amazing singer as well and I'm really in personal person so it's exciting you know something to look forward to each week to hear her sing and then you're singing along with her and your voice is with her voice and everyone's together and so for me I'm really interested to try to understand is that friendships being built between people in those moments that maybe might not be able to build friendships or connections with others in a way that you and I would, but in that moment, in that one hour, they were all contributing their voices or their toe taps or their head shakes Mm -hmm. to a collective experience. That's like that's connection with other people and that's, to me, friendship and community, which is really important that they might not have. I think other things would ever allow that to happen. I think that's why music and dance are particularly special, Mm -hmm. because it connects people in a way that doesn't need language and doesn't need... When you just need to be there
0: (laughs) What would y'all like everyone to know about your work?
1: So for us at Science Cayley, especially with a name like Science Cayley, is, it's not just about dance. That's, you know, we, we started off about exploring science and dance together and that's, that's fun and interesting but um, actually for us it's that absolutely that old meaning of, of Cayley which is a gathering and that's the important thing. Uh, is how do we bring people together and have those connections
2: uh, for us it's a, a, a playlist of personally meaningful music can be transformative if you're living with dementia and can help both the, the person with the diagnosis but also the family carers.
3: Given it at Aldi, we want people to know that we're here in the Gorbals and to get in touch. Um, <laughs> we have such a wide range of, what, of things that we do and um, we've got eight different things happening every week and we want to reach more and more people locally in the Gorbals so... Um, I suppose what we want people to know about our organisation is that we're here, come talk to us and tell us where music needs to happen here and what we can do about it. What inspired you to do this work?
2: Well for me, I was a, I was a nurse working in dementia care and had seen the benefits of, of music but not given it enough value until I began to focus a wee bit more on this and then Sally set up the charity. And I've just wandered around the UK it feels telling people about this, but learning from families who are doing this already. And it's probably the best thing I've ever done, if I'm being honest.
3: I'm inspired to work with music in community settings um, because I had a really difficult musical education. I left school like with no confidence with music at all and I went off on a journey of other careers and things like that and I was really, really unhappy. And I went through a period of really being quite unwell mentally and then I joined a group called Block Orchestra which was a community orchestra based in a pub in Glasgow and it completely and utterly changed my life and it made me realise that music was like my greatest passion and I was so sad that I'd given it up for so long and so um, I think that's what drives me to try to give everyone the opportunity to have that experience of like you're allowed to do this, this is for you if you want it and it's not about sitting and doing exams and being really really good, it's actually about connecting with other people and having a human meaningful yeah. experience. So that's what drives me to try to make that opportunity available for everyone because I don't think I'm alone and having that kind of music was used to make me feel a bit rubbish but now it's something that I, it's my whole life. So.
1: For me, um, yeah, science, Kelly is certainly not what I expected to be doing. Um, but I guess it really reflects maybe my personal journey, coming from an immigrant background, coming from a working class background. For me, science and music and love of both of those things and being allowed to love both of those things um, and dance and 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 culture and things like that have been. Incredibly transformative for me. So I think it's it's finding the, the ways to give back. I think and thinking about how well how do we connect these things and as you say, give people that permission that you could you can explore all these things together and how do we really make that social impact so you know so if things are more equitable for everybody.
0: This episode on the positive effects of music and dance on mental health and well-being was recorded at One Arrow Gardens special thanks to given it Loudy's claire Louis from the science Kayleigh and the music detective andy i'm jessica and i'm maggie and thank you for listening to this time in the garbles podcast thanks to gorbles parish church at one arrow gardens and marix from the given it Loudy team for their support with this episode if you want to talk about your mental health please speak to a parent pastoral care teacher or counsellor at your school your doctor or call breathing space on 0800 838587 or a on 0800 1111 this special Stem in the gorbals series on mental health and well-being was supported by a pulse grant from the british podcast awards and welcome trust this series was put together with the help and support of courtney elliott's genetic counseling student kinza mahmoud dr james bergen and dr Saida Bati. I'm Jessica and to see us out, here's myself and Lewis with a Scottish classic known around the world.
1: One, two, three...